Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Mario Brothers podcast, where it's how did I get here tonight? What am I doing here? How did I reach this space, Danny? You dumb bugger. <laughs> wow, I'm Super Mario Brother Matt. And I'm Super Brother Dan. We've had a quite the week, Danny, in the metal world. Uh, we're talking about uh, a lot of things that happened to us last week, especially one thing that happened to you, Dan, last Saturday. Yeah, Saturday I attended the Churches of Steel. First here in LA, the Producers Bar, which was on the SCA. It was great. It was um, a well-turned-out event. Great bands, both from Adelaide, and I think we had some interstate travelers, which is always nice to see. The uh, legendary Black Majesty tagged along. I, I, I enjoyed myself. It was good. They had two stages going at once. It's kind of like a mini uh, mini sound wave, and not to foreshadow, but it was quite a nice event. Uh, good weather. Power uh, metal. I'm guessing there was at least uh, seven covers by Iron Maiden, Danny. Well, if they all do the same song, is <laughs> <laughs> it just one long cover? <laughs> so no, they had a, a combination of, of power and thrash metal, and yeah. uh, there was one Doomy band there, but that was pretty much the main feast. Yeah, sure. So take a shot every time you hear the word dragon. Hey, you don't do that. It gets pricey, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to support the locals. We're, but we're here to talk about the Sid Metal Brothers and the world of metal. Uh, in today's episode, we are talking about the worst albums from our favorite bands. Uh, we went into the uh, Facebook community and they've you know, reciprocated with some great answers. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to review the latest album from Betraying the Martyrs called The Resilience. But before that, Danny, we got to talk the news. Black Sabbath. Officially no more. They've played their last show, Danny. They went to where it all started in Birmingham, London, UK to uh, to finish off what a remarkable basic series of events for these guys. They've yeah. been around longer than I can remember, probably because I wasn't alive. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's amazing. This band has given so much to the heavy metal community and so much to the people I love that. It's amazing that just a group of, what, four or so guys from, you know, Birmingham, England could do so much with just music. It's, it's quite amazing. We're thankful for them being around and giving us this music. What are you most thankful for with Black Sabbath, Danny? I know Dio was a part of that for a while, and that changed the songwriting yeah, immensely, really. But what are some of the maybe Aussie-style stuff that uh, that you really remembered and some of your favorite memories from the band? Yeah, I mean, we got to see him play twice. We saw him once in Sydney, once in Adelaide last year, year before, which was um, it's great to see him in your hometown. And uh, I mean, he's a frontman. Always, he's a classic frontman. Like he, even though unusual, off, unusual. I know off, off camera and on stage, he's a bit weird and stuff. But on stage, he just brings the love and the peace. And it's great. It's just he's an interesting guy on stage. Um, I mean, they created the whole Doom sound. I'm not the biggest Doom fan per se, but their style was more rocking to it. Yeah, in fact, you know, no one could really emulate their success with such a niche that which has become a niche genre. Whereas I think with them, it became such a uh, home. And they just managed to get out there with great marketing and great songs. And, uh, you know, I, we can't work it out how they managed to find success in, in a genre that plays sometimes anywhere from two to three notes. But then they'll play a whole entire section of, you know, blistering bluesy kind of stuff, you know. so Yeah, funk stuff as well, you know. So they have uh, fairies wear boots. So there's always, there's, they had a like, wide range of uh, abilities and wide range of songs. Yeah, Snow, Snowblind as well. So you got songs like that. And then obviously Children of the Grave, which is you know, iconic for being one of the heaviest songs that even to this day resonates to uh, with a lot of listeners, I'd imagine. Yeah, even like Black Sabbath, I guess it started all with them where people apparently ran from the theaters hearing that music because they just weren't used to that really evil sound. Yeah, you know, it's the headbanging stuff. And speaking about headbanging, there's a guy who gets paid just to headbang to Slayer all day. His name's Michael Hildreth, and he works for this Papa Murphy's Take and Bake Pizzeria. Now, literally, it was done as a joke. I think it was punishment. And he found that uh, they get a 40% increase in profits. But it would work because I would see it, and I'd be like, oh, suddenly I need pepperoni pizza. Yeah. It's like, it's so awesome. What a great piece of marketing. Yeah, I think what he's done, because he always does that windmilling when he listens to Slayer, he's yeah. painting his hair black and white. So when he windmills, it's one of those like, hypnotizing coins. Like, Ooh, oh, uh, exactly. Oh, I don't need pizza. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, yeah, I'm feeling pizza. I just ate, but I feel like pizza now, yeah. i got to kill the president, but also, <laughs> <laughs> I really need pizza. <laughs> yeah, crush capitalism. Um, yeah, look, uh, I would imagine, though, the insurance to that guy would be through the roof. It's like, oh... Uh, you get to pay you know, your levies and stuff like that, but it's, it's not exactly a long thing. I mean, like maybe stretches, a whole entire like you know a, a thing for it. Massages. I think you might be taking home hundred bucks a week, but medical bills four hundred bucks maybe. Yeah, I mean, like corpse grinder had to get neck surgery done and slipknot. His whole back yeah. went out. Like, that's how furious his head banging was, where his whole spine was coming out of his body. 
Um, yeah. Oh, maybe this guy's got good technique. You know, started young, conditioned his body. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, you know, and in fact, you know, in order to sell some more pizzas, he can sell himself a uh, a DVD maybe, you know, like all those guitarists who do with that. Maybe he can go into a uh, a lesson planning thing, you know, go, yeah. go around the world. Like, you know, there's a real dodgy real estate agents do that. Tell you, oh, this is how you sell houses, but you're going to come to my 17th seminar in order to find out. Dude, come buy, on, Buy my 15-part series encyclopedia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Nickelback right now. Uh, a lot of people were thinking, but they're not metal brothers. And I'm like, I know, but we're going to talk about it anyway because apparently their new song is Heavy Wrist. Have you heard it, Danny? I have. I listened to it. And it's actually, they're doing what a lot of metal bands are doing these days and doing like, uh, lyric videos, not a standard. I mean, they've got the money to do a proper budget video, but oh, they decided yeah. to do a lyric video, show, show the seriousness, and the lyrics are more so based on like the whole man machine utopian society or blah blah. So let's clear up straight away it's not heavy riffs, no, but it's heavy for Nickelback, yeah. right? Um, do you think they're doing this and t- as what they feel like doing, or they're actually seeing a market now? We're getting back with the metalheads, and they're going to show metalheads that they can actually do it. Oh, again, too early to tell. It's one, it's one song. Who yeah. knows? Uh, it's it's a long song as well. It's a five minute song, so it won't get radio play. So this one here is just a song. Who knows? It might just be like a demo song they release or a bit of fun. So until it comes on the album, uh, until you see what the album's like, uh, this look. Who knows? They're getting older. Metal Brothers reviewing a Nickelback album, Danny. Is it a foreshadowing or just a bit of teasing? Ah, you know, if it gets uh, if it's if it's fun enough to do. <laughs> Matt, Matt's shaking his head. What's happening? Is there I a know, fly near you? I, I think I think um, there's going to be plenty of albums to review that Nickelback will just fly off our radar, Danny. I think right? we're talking about oh, flies. I don't know, man. I want to talk about. Well, we talked about flies. Let's talk about parrots now. King Parrot with the Soundwave. They actually talked about a festival that they've got planned. It's called the New Thrash Blast and Grind. Now, this is interesting because they just got, saw a market because obviously Soundwave's gone. Legion was supposed to be this ground roots movement. They were asking for fans' money, but uh, even that fell through, um, like a lot of people did predict. Hmm. Um, so they saw, why not get us heavy, heavy bands and all get together and play? And uh, do you think it's going to work, Danny? Oh, I mean, the, the, here again, we just had Church of Steel, and in uh, April, we're having another like festival organized from um, I think Truth Corrode or Truth Inc. organized it all. And even like last year, we had a new Dead Fest and stuff, and they get a decent crowd. So mm. these these micro uh, gigs, micro festivals, if you want to call them that, uh, they, they seem to be getting good support at the moment. It's brilliant because the best thing is you're guaranteed as a fan to like the bands that are on there because they're going to be the mix of a similar kind of production and stuff. So you're going to find other bands, if you don't know them already, that sound similar to it, and it saves you from walking at least half a kilometre to your next donation to get, you know, take a piss or... Oh, yeah, and just like spend time with loved ones. 20 bucks for like a water. Oh, my God. $10 to sit down. Yeah, exactly. Is that, you, Five cents per breath. Yeah, exactly. That's what happens with Soundwave. That's what they do. They start off with selling your tickets and then before you know it, you're in debt because you need to take a shit. So... Yeah. Well, you know... Well, good luck to them. We're going to support, have to go check this out, I reckon. Psychoptic's going to be there as well. And a couple of other really, really heavy bands. But obviously, King Parrot are notorious for craziness and film clips and just an overall great stage show, you know? Yeah. They just give it 100% and uh, great for drinking a beer. In. Yeah, apparently. And also cooking corn on barbecues, if anyone saw the Metal Down Under documentary. Uh, we did, but I can't remember that. And oh, I, that was the crazy. I think I should have. That was the best thing of the whole documentary, wasn't it? Um, I want to talk about Code Orange right now. Um, funny enough, there's this girl called Emily Hoffman who attended their show last month and she was like just outside the mosh pit. And you know those crazy guys who replicate their favorite Street Fighter characters by doing Tuck Tuck Darukins? Yeah. This guy apparently decided to wear steel boots. And, you know, he obviously, you know, being a guy who loves Street Fighter, you know, and, and you know, it's a joystick. You can go down, down, forward, forward and punch or you know, do your Hadoukens or whatever. You don't have to do it in, in real life because what happened is this girl got her jaw broken. Yeah. You know, it's a four-hour or six-hour operation, and took to um, re-fix her jaw, four steel plates. Oh, it's terrible. What so, is- in memory for her broken jaw, what they've done is decided to have a GoFundMe campaign. So, in order to uh, save up some money for her, twenty thirty grand, you know, and uh, you know, people are touched by that and want to donate to it. It's uh, Matt Murray's bank account. I mean, sorry. No. Oh no, we have to do it to this chick. No, it's Super Mario Brothers. Super- hey, hey, <laughs> hey, don't you slam me down the with her? <laughs> yeah, look. So, go ahead and go fund me if you can find her. Um, you know, it's just, I've seen this stuff happen, but. 
most of the time you see the bands just see it happening and being like, well, if that's what they want to do. But then you see stuff like Devil Drive, and I remember seeing them at a sound wave, and they stopped the whole show because one guy decided to like kick his shoe up halfway above his head, and that was like, that was enough. And they're like, anyone else just does that is going to get their head smashed in. But it's just so, like, not middle, man. It's so, like, selfish in it for yourself. This was it slam dancing, whatever you want to call it. It's just yeah. being a dick. You don't, you don't just run around swinging your arms around. And look, if he had an epileptic fit or something, all right, that's fair enough. That's a proper thing, and we feel sorry. But wearing steel cats to a gig and something, you're just a dick. You really are. Yeah. So uh, I reckon either if they find the $30,000, and maybe they can find the next $10,000 to find the guy and, like, you know, get the boot and put it in his jaw and then just, like, have a knuckle sandwich. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've done quite well. Apparently, 23000 so far. So that's doing well. That's so good. Now, good eight luck. days as well, so it's good. Well... I love talking about Jeff Loomis, right? Everyone who listens to the show knows he's my guy, right? Yeah, I know. Here we go. But there is a curse with set Jeff Loomis because a lot of people have him doing, you know, guest appearances and stuff. And the funniest thing was a Switchblade interview with the guys from Australia. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, before you talk about Switchblade, guest appearances like on Arch Enemy. Oh, right. Oh, God, I hope so, man. What a waste of... Anyway, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But, um, you know, Jeff Loomis gets on a, a track from a band, right? They can't do the track live because his solos are so stupid and ludicrously awesome that um, people haven't got time to, to learn solos. They've got things like, you know, kids to feed or, you know, jobs to, to, to hate and go to. Um, but, you know, Rob Skellons decided, you know what, he's got a song called Gateways and he wants he wants a great guitarist to do a solo on it. And what happens is he, he, he shreds it. Jeff Loomis does a solo that, again, not even Jeff Loomis could play. <laughs> and um, it's funny because I'm like, that's it. That that, that track now was, is doomed for the internet and that's it. He's never going to play that song live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, um... And even the song itself, the, the the solo is so awesome that it's it is a song. It's like literally the whole thing is great. And um, you know, Rob Scallon, I love you, man. Good luck to you, you know. But uh, welcome to the world of not being able to play your own songs live anymore. You know, enjoy it. Like honestly, man, enjoy your awesomeness of being sitting down there and being depressed like I am right now. Yeah, I mean. I guess like he knows what he's getting himself into as well. It's, it's not like he's just like, oh, who's just Jeff Loomis character? He seems all right. Like, I like the blonde hair. Let's give him a go. Yeah. So yeah. he obviously knew how talented he was. Maybe he just thought, oh, he'll, he'll go easy on him because, nah, nah, Jeff, just just take it easy, mate. What are you doing? No. Nah. Play left-handed. Come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah. That's it. And then he becomes Michelangelo and he can do it left-handed and then people will just like drop off like buildings and stuff because uh-huh. they... That just kind of spy to awesomeness. Um, Blast Fest 2017 is cancelled. Now, we've known with ourselves, we're seeing festivals cancelled all the time. But this one was a more of an interesting circumstance because this one was supposed to take place between the 22nd to the 25th in Norway. Now, it features guys like Devin Townsend, Between the Bury Me, Catatonia, and even one of Phil Selmo's, um, Phil Anselmo's band, you know, a guy from Pantera's, uh, his, name's, his band's called Scour. Now, they've said, the, the organizer said low ticket sales and low forecasted ticket sales, right? But last year, they had to cancel a band called Noi, uh, sorry, Best in Noi, right? Now, they were attacked by a bunch of left-wing um, people who were like anti-fascist and stuff like that. And what happened was the the whole entire thing, had to, the uh, organizer had to cave and say, look, it's either the we cancel the gig or we cancel the band and they end up canceling the band. Danny, do you think... Metal band, metal uh, guys like us fans were like disrespected by that, and they wanted to see their band because they don't really care too much about politics in that sense. We uh, talked about it last time where some people, a lot of our friends and family, uh, and and fans of the show would would go support bands regardless, but to a degree. Yeah, to a um, do you think this was the this was like the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, or do you think that this band, this the way it is at the moment, like you said, it's going to go to short festivals now? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess there is a lot of festivals in. Europe, this could be just one too many. It's also in Norway during February, which is, what, I'm guessing their winter. So it'd be freaking cold. Yeah. So normally festivals in Europe happen around, you know, mid-year, like Hellfest and Grass, but we went to there like June, July, August. So it could be just a time. I the would, I would be, if I was a fan of the band and, uh, you know, that happened, I would be like, well, what's the point of putting money towards a festival like that? And this, in the fact that maybe one of my favorite bands would get cancelled, and I mean, knowing that happen is is devastating. And like, there are no um, shrinks that can help with this. You know, you're on your own. It is going to be a dark, depressing world uh, for you. But um, 
I don't, I don't know. Like that's, I think maybe that's what's happened. You know, some of these uh, artists, so these people canceling big shows like this is gonna take an effect, and people sit up and take notice of these kind of things. Yeah, I mean, maybe Norway is like LA. We just wait too long to buy our tickets, and promoters just can't do that. They, yeah. They've caught the LA bug. Yeah, I don't know how it, like it got onto a our you know uh, pacifism has gotten onto a boat, jumped across the whole entire uh, ocean, and and landed in residence in Norway. It could have stopped off at, like you know Amsterdam, got high first or something, but uh, nuts, uh, gone straight to the coldest parts of uh, churches. Yeah, and it still actually survived. They still have churches in Norway. Uh, <laughs> what's next? Vansuis, the sticks drummer, over alleged injury. Oh my. Now, this is hilarious for many reasons, because I don't know if you guys know what a drumstick is, but the only thing I think that's lighter than that is probably the thing I have in between my pants or what's in my wallet. Your guitar pick. That's right. Yeah. And this thing apparently has incurred so many damages with a person who was hit by it, because apparently there wasn't prior warning given to the... I don't think this person has been to a concert before, because apparently what happened was she got struck in the head and uh, it's caused physical, serious physical injuries, this drumstick. Now, what it's done is given her bl- loss of blood, loss of functions, and loss of enjoyment of life. Normally, when people get drumsticks thrown at them at a concert, their enjoyment for life increases tenfold. I mean, you got, you know, DNA from your favorite artist, so you can clone them or yeah. give it to a scientist or just masturbate like I do. Um, but that's the one thing I wanted to know about you, Danny, is like, is this girl got a potential lawsuit on her hands or is this going to like stop you know, people throwing things out. What's going to happen to the industry? Yeah, this could be one of those terrible American frivolous lawsuits. Because it is American. It's the only country where we're... <laughs> something which has been done for every gig for the last 50 years happens all the time. No, no, I'm going to say 700 years. I'm going to say uh, the Baroque period, they were throwing <laughs> piano keys out to the fair ladies and they would be like... Oh, thank you, senorita. They well, cut all the harp strings and just like, throw right. people and like, whip people with them. Ah. And they would take it and then they would get it assigned by loved ones. But I think there's like headline rights to self, like um, chick gets sticked with sticks or something like that. So that's, that's I think maybe they were trying to use that as a really clever headline. All right. So I think, you know, Mythbusters, right, how they do the thing where they, they test out what happens, right, and then they have to go to the yards to actually show in order for what to see what yeah. happened to this chick. So what's going to happen in the Mythbusters? And I'm going to put my whole entire savings that I've saved in my account. I think I've got like three bucks fifty in that jar over there since the Metal Brothers started. About scratch. You know, just to buy, you know, mics and a will to live. Mm. Um, and I believe right now that the girl who got struck, right, in order to get the results, right, if you throw the jumpstick at her, she would have got maybe a, a minor brace of the hair, like, you know, like it passed yeah. or something like that. I think in order to get what she's saying, you need to break the drumstick in half, drive it into her face like Dexter would. Actually, no, like Joe Pesci would have from Casino. Mm. And in fact, you have to be one of Joe Pesci's guys that owes him a lot of money in order to get that kind of reverence. Yeah. So, um, you know what? Now I think he's a tricky man. I think the person actually misread the headline. Like what happened in the gig and what happened in translated to journalists got confused. They're saying the drumstick, but I think what happened is that someone threw the stick drummer at someone. So oh! you're throwing a whole person at someone. Oh. Yeah, that could cause serious injury. So I understand they've actually just put the two words back to front and that's the issue. Or sticks. They threw the drum stick and he had sticks tied to him and so when he landed into the chick, the sticks mm. like then obviously lacerations. Oh, that yeah. would be pretty jarring actually. You know, I wouldn't go to a show after that. No, I wouldn't. I, I mean, like, having go. your favorite drummer thrown at you with sticks on him that could be really devastating. That's just one thing I like to see. Imagine doing a good... Hey, that's like a drum roll. He just literally rolls down the, the um, hill with all these sticks on him and has all these symbols line up the side of this hill. And that's like a full drum roll. That'd be amazing. I want to talk about Dream Theater launching The Astonishing Game. Now, if it's anything like a Dream Theater album, I could imagine it'd be like, there's one thing about it that you really, really like, but you have to sit through 20,000 guitar solos to wait and to press the X like, button again. And it only lasts like eight seconds. Yeah, it's so oh, basically yeah. like Final Fantasy's past Final Fantasy X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it looks like a chess game. Like yeah. It's pretty much, you have pieces on a, a chess board, but it's a turn-based game like chess. Yeah. And But you have different people who do different things I think you'd have to sit through it's like chess but you have to sit through a three minute instrumental before you play the next piece yeah (laughs) (laughs) just sit there oh here it goes again John Patricia alright so you have to sit there and hear them wank in your ear until nauseam or until you have to you know go to the doctors to get flushed out with warm water 
And then, um, yeah, and then repeat. Yeah, because that's some of the chess. Well, let's just call it chess piece. That's what they are. Some of the chess pieces actually are musicians. So you're right. So if you move your chess piece to this guy, it's like, oh, I'm going to play an epic solo. Oh, no, he's blocking it with the earplugs. Oh, I just play it louder. Oh, no, he's putting earmuffs on and earplugs. Oh, what can I do? Yeah. So uh, if you like Dream Theater, I guess the, the, the game would be awesome. I haven't played the game. I probably won't play the game. Yeah. Actually, I think the coolest thing about that trailer, the guy who was narrating it sounded like the narrator of like the original Transformers movie back in 86. You reckon? Oh, Peter Cullen was in it? Well, Peter Cullen did Prime, but I'm not sure if he actually did a narration. I'm not too yeah, sure. Maybe not. But it sounded like the same dude. This is amazing. Yeah, they probably would have done it. Well, Transformers TV shows, one or two, yeah. You know what? It's okay because we're going to move on to In Flames now because we talked about this last year about like the, the mass exodus that's been happening and there's only like very few original members left and there's even fewer now with Peter Iwers he's gone he's gotten out of In Flames man uh, he's a bass player he was and he's just done with the, the life of being in In Flames well you know to be honest I kind of called this last year because playing those riffs from the last album live would give anyone uh, some serious problems you know and to play them day after day night after 20 night 20 years it's probably just bored 20 years <laughs> no he's like the, the medication's not working anymore <laughs> And they can't get strong medications, just too suicidal. Yeah, the last guitarist had like a massive drug problem. That's why it does unfold. Um, you know, so it's the way it is, unfortunately. In Flames right now, uh, going through a whole new change of sounds and yeah. uh, they're losing members because of it. And uh, so be it, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're soon like taking on water, that ship. That's how kind of bad it is. <laughs> yeah, they actually are in flames now, like, because their fans are out yeah. just like trying to set them alight. Like, stop releasing those albums. But, um, oh, this is a good segue talking about fans, Matt. Ooh. All right, we're going to do it, Danny. We're going to talk about Suicide Silence. Yes. Yeah, we wanted to talk about this for a whole entire week. Since we read the story, literally, Suicide Silence fans have launched a petition to po- block the release of their new album. Now, we talked about this last week. We actually had a whole thing about it. Um, the band went against their fans because the fans were obviously heard the latest albums, a lot of singing. And when you're singing a death metal project, uh, certain fans get certain aneurysms that say really aggressive things. So basically, yeah, you know, kind of reflecting the band's yeah. intensity on the last album and throwing it back art. in their face. Yeah. Right? The band didn't like it. They don't like aggression. They like giving the aggression, but when it comes to taking it, uh, not so much. So what they did was throw back at them and throw back at their fans. And now the fans are trying to get them blocked. Or are they really, Denny? Well, Apparently, 2,100 fans currently are trying to get them blocked because they have, again, not a GoFundMe page. They're having like a, uh, what's it? Like a, it's like one of those um, uh, really useless, useless things. Uh, those like signing uh, petitions. Oh, yeah, petition. Yeah, we'll go with that. Petitions. Yeah, petition.org, I think it is. Something like that. Yeah. So far, they want 2,500 and they got about 2,100 or so um, people signing it, which, you know, trolls and idiots. Because, I mean, this is still a band that you like and... So they've released one bad album, blah, blah, blah. You guys, that really pathetic. The fans are actually gone straight to nuclear blast. And with uh, I've actually got a couple of quotes here. Um, some saying to change the band's name. Some saying back that Nickelback are heavier. And some say we must end the injustice. Dude, is this like a Batman video game right now? You know, it's- like they are so betrayed by playing a slightly less distorted guitars and uh, singing words that they can actually translate in here. That is... Um, I think these guys. But this is what happens when you when you poke the beehive. Mm. The fans are passionate. The the band then pisses in their ear, yeah, uh, pisses in their soup, and tells them to drink it. And, uh, and the fans are like, well, "I don't want to drink piss soup." These guys must be as loyal as like Slayer fans or something. These yeah. guys are causing rise. I'm surprised that people aren't carving like SS in their fort. Actually, can't do SS. That's a uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where they probably came with that problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, either we carve SS in our head. <laughs> Or we go petition.org, yeah, which is far one. less bloody. <laughs> yeah, with this Trump stuff going around at the moment, let's take the attention away from the Nazism. Um, I, I, I'm with them though. Like, uh, I've suicide silence now. Kind of look a bit nicer, I guess. But um, I think it's funny. Like when you're seeing bands uh, overact, maybe yeah. they're part of the joke now as well. And maybe they're just kind of this is a good way of getting to the band's attention. But you saw what happened with the band before and it didn't work. But now you're trying to do it again to the label. <sighs> Look, in the end, just, just don't buy the album. If you don't yeah. like it, just don't buy the album. Look, you know, that's it. Everything you can learn in life is from the first eight seasons of uh, The Simpsons. And remember that episode when the Halloween one where Lisa's like gets that guy, advertising guy, and they just say, just don't look. Yes. And then the monsters all die. Yes. So if you want the monster that is nuclear blast or slash suicide silence to go away, then just don't pay any money for it. 
Exactly. And then you want to have big monster guys with donuts destroying your house. You want to talk about something? Talk about Super Metal Brothers. We'll be in your life and we won't even break your heart. That's right. We won't go anywhere. <laughs> we haven't got a place to stay. I'm behind you. We're broke. <laughs> All right. We're going to finish this bad boy off. We've been talking long enough about crap. But uh, Volumes is uh, refunding fans after vocalist Gus Ferriers has uh, not been delivering on his guest spots. So what's happening is uh, guys like me and Super Metal Brother Dan... We're fans of certain artists and we want them to be on our CD. Now we pay them for a service. Normally what happens when you pay someone for a service like a plumber and that, um, they come over to your house, they unplug your toilet, then they give you a, a fair handshake on the ass and uh, they, they go away, you know? I like I like Larry. He does me a good job, right? Does he wash his hands after fix your toilet and shit? Uh, it doesn't really matter. What's more matter though, if, if Larry was the guy from Volumes, apparently he'd come to your toilet, shit in your shitter and then um, shit in your hand and then shit uh, on your life and your money and take your 300 bucks. Wait, but... But you weren't paying him to do that. Is that what you're trying to say? No, no, oh. no. Because I would have paid him the 300 bucks. But then he, all he would have done, instead of like taking the shit out of my house, he would have shat in the shitter. Okay. And then um, I would have been more dirtier and regretful. Right. So what you're saying is hire Larry. That's right. right. They should have hired Larry, right? Oh. Anyway, so Gus, uh, basically the band's had to refund some, some fans' money because Gus isn't going in there. He's told the fans, no, nah, I'm in the studio right now or no, nah, it's coming. But if, like what happens with uh, like your ex-girlfriend in high school, they stop returning your phone calls after a while. You show up to their house and they've changed their dress. And then uh, Tiffany's uh, dating uh, you know, your mum. And that's what happens with this. you know. So you don't want to, you just don't want to um, piss these people off, right? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's actually like weird change. Like, he's only getting charged. Like he was only charged like two hundred, three hundred dollars for these guest vocal stints. I mean, this guy's really budget. But man, that's what it is. Like he gets ten thousand people give him two hundred dollars rather than like five people doing like thousand dollars. So right. maybe maybe that's how he did it. I don't. I don't really know. Well, it worked to a degree, but now the fan, the band's actually taking wind of it and they're giving they're giving to the people back what they want. So uh, kudos to the bands and, you know, when it comes to the Gus Ferriers, you're a jerk and you are made the Superman Brothers naughty list. So not even coal for you, my friend, because, you know, you could use that to like heat something and, you know, you can get worth out of it. Yeah, so. no, you actually can keep it warm during winter. That's uh, I know, awesome. like, exactly. We'll give you cold during summer. Hell yeah. All right, we're going to talk about our editorial, Danny. Worst albums from favorite bands. I was actually on Facebook later t- uh, this morning because uh, what else do you do when you're on the toilet? And I was actually looking at uh, Incubus and they actually Ooh. have leaked, and I'm going to use those quotations incredibly exaggerated because uh, you know fans are starting to hear what they've got to offer. Now, I remember how devastated I was when I heard the latest um, album from them, if not now, when... Because they started as a sort of like this metal band in a sense, you know. They were doing creative new things, very psychedelic, but also very funky and heavy. They had eventually changed their sound so much that uh, it became music that your grandmother would like it, you know. It became so unoff- unoffensive that, um, yeah, even even guys that uh, get offended by, you know, things like people sitting on buses or, uh, you know, taking um, yeah taking water, you know, for example, because whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter because we're talking about our uh, worst albums from favorite bands and Incubus did that to me. So what about our fans and friends, Danny? Yes, we had a couple of feedbacks on the old uh, Fudge book, which was nice to see. So starting with a good old mate, Dwayne Neville, who said pretty much Lulu from Metallica, which, yeah. Yeah, you really can't go past it. In fact, I was basically warned by so many people not to listen to it that I never did. Because, like, why do it? Yeah, like, why? when people say this movie is bad, why do you go ahead and waste three hours of your life and go, wow, the Titanic only sunk in the last 10 minutes of the movie? Like, what happens to the other two and a half hours? What do with the damn boat? It should have been called A Love Story Plus a Sinking Ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, A Love Story, don't worry. Hang around for two and a half hours because there's a sinking ship. Just like Transformers 3 should be just called A Guy's Emotional Problems Dating a Hot Chick Plus Transforming Robots in the End. How do you make transforming ovens and, you know, trucks and stuff and make it boring? I don't understand how that can happen, but, you know... He so, did it. Yeah, well, we'll go back to uh, the albums, Matthew. So who else do we have here? Steve Lehman, the worst I made an album. He's put it in quotations, but, you know, I think the <laughs> I think they're on par with each other, Danny. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, he's going to say Virtual 11, is it, Danny? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I haven't heard that one. Yeah, um, but I think that's actually come up for a few people with Iron Man's one of their worst albums. Uh, do you, You've listened to a few Iron Man albums. Is there bad albums or just bad tracks? Oh, yeah, I mean, there might be 
uh, Matter of Life and Death wasn't very exciting. So I guess you can have like just mediocre albums. I haven't heard of Book of Souls, if that's any good. Apparently that gets mixed reviews, but also got Album of the Year, some people. But then good that could be because there's Iron Maiden, so it gets, you know, Album of the Year. So yeah, who knows? But yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's actually weird. It's back in the day, like in the 80s and 90s, only had like vinyls. So you only had like six songs on a track. So then if two songs weren't, you didn't like it, that's like 30% of the album, isn't it? So yeah. Nah, but look, I think, uh, yeah, again, it's personal taste, I think, with Maiden. You just think they're all average. Yeah, they're all, they're all great or they're all average. Yeah, you seem you don't seem to think great at all, do you, man? Uh, I think I think um, I think they're a, 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 a good band at being bad. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Lou Dietrich has said uh, the Super Mario Brothers podcast is his favorite uh, worst album from favorite bands. That doesn't even seem to make any sense, Danny. Yeah, that guy. He, I don't know if we should ban him or not. Man. I actually feel sorry for the people in his life that hang out with him. I think because yeah, like you know Super Mario Brothers, Matt. <laughs> Um, you know, but he, he went on to redeem himself in the eyes of the beholders, and he said that Wrath from Lamb of God. Um, yeah, Lamb of God are a consistent band, Danny. Like, well, they came out and did quite well for quite a long time. I guess uh, Wrath being predictable and uh, what people expected from Lamb of God, I haven't actually heard too much from it. Um, Lamb of God for me, once you get a couple of their albums, you really get a sense of what they're like, and you really love it, or yeah. Or you can really, at the worst, just enjoy it. It's background music. They're a talented band. Mm-hmm. Um, you like their stuff pretty much from top to bottom, though, from what you've heard. Oh, I mean, love it. Yeah, I mean, I always enjoy their live shows. I've seen them probably two or three times live now. They, are, they always do a great show. So they're, they're great out songs. They're great. I haven't, I haven't heard too many of the average songs. That's probably why. Chris Howard has said, it's got to be Vex Void, Vexo Void by Portal, just because it was short and just underwhelming compared to Swarth which was one of his favorite albums of all time. I'm going to take your word for it because that sounds like an acid trip, not so much a CD review. Yeah, that's actually interesting. I've never heard of any of those words used in a sentence before, yeah. so I'm, I'm learning every day. Vexo Void, far out from Portal. It really does sound like... Uh, oh, look, if nothing, the title alone got my interest and maybe that's the most interesting part is their uh, delivery on using words together. We like words here, Danny. Same all the time. <laughs> I've got all the words. I've got great words. My my amount of words is massive. I like words. <laughs> that sounds nothing like Trump, but you know what I'm trying to do. We've got a good little rendition from our fans. You know, they've they've wanted to tell us what they've had to say. Uh, we picked the best ones, uh, the only ones, pretty much. But, <laughs> but we want to hear about Daniel. Now you've got a lot of favorite bands, right? You've gone yep. through the the whole entire line, and uh, you've been you've been hurt before, you know. But you've mm. also you know, had your uh, nice ones been touched and uh, and pampered with. So what are your worst albums from your favorite bands? Oh, just to remind you, without the worst, you don't know what the best is. And Legend of Symphony X, everything's great because oh. it just gets better and better. Actually, with Symphony X, it's probably one of the first albums because it's just a different style. You know, know, and they admit it. They don't even play the songs. Nah, apart from oh, Divine Winds of Tragedy, they play that and that's bad. Or maybe... Acolyte one, yeah, from the first two there, but well, like you know, even the clocks right two times of the day, unless you got the twenty four hour ones, yeah. you know, broken clock, and then there's once, so you know, just keeps flashing twelve at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, twice a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, uh, you're right. Symphony X are strong, but I'm talking the worst of the worst, and you've got a band surely that you're thinking of right now, and they've released the one stinker of an album, man, one that you would never tell anyone until your fans today. I mean. Dio, the album I guess I haven't been that inspired listening to is uh, Lock Up the Wolves. That was pretty, yeah. So nothing, nothing too exciting happening there. Um, Rainbow, when they made their comeback in ninety, like comeback ninety two with Dougie White singing. Oh, and was, the um, drummer who can only play one beat. Like, how do you go from one of the most iconic best guitarists of all time and pick session musos that are like boring? Yes. I don't get it. So that was pretty uninspiring, especially for like a comeback. So that was like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, Deep Purple had an album called Banana, I think something. That was pretty average. So there's been a couple of these. Is it one that's been offensively bad? Like one album oh. from a band that maybe you don't want to love, but like it's just like really, really awful. Um, that's just, you cannot even talk to your... We never brought it up to this very day because it's just that bad. I mean, that, that Last and Flames album was pretty terrible. Oh, that was terrible. I mean, that from like, like I guess look, I'm not the massive in Flame guys, but there were songs I definitely enjoyed, but that album was just terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah, we could go with that one for now, man. I'll, yep. I'll lock in uh, In Flames Battles for 200. 200. Yeah, no, no, no. That's fine. I'll give you that. You can even take the house with that one. But I want to talk about some of my favorites. Now, I'm going to talk uh, basically around bands that I really love and albums that really pissed me off. 
And uh, I thought no good. And some that just didn't. All right. So obviously, favorite band uh, is Nevermore, right? Oh, get it? Really? Really? I know, right? It's been a year and a oh, half, yeah. and hey, I'm dropping bombs on man, you. I'm not sure you realize this, but you know, Jeff Loomis, he played guitar for Nevermore. Oh, my God. No wonder. Yeah. yeah. Keep learning. But what for me was an album that I, I really didn't like or didn't love. You know, the worst album from their discography is Obsidian Conspiracy. Now, a lot of people will be like, but that's the last album they ever did. But if you've heard Nevermore and you're familiar with the sound, you really get an uh, an idea of what they're capable of. And when I heard um, the, uh, the Obsidian Conspiracy for the first time, I just felt something about it was off. The production was a bit, uh, a bit different. It was a bit flatter. The guitar solos were nowhere near as like shred-tastic and, and inspiring. They were great, don't get me wrong. And even some of the riffs were just very much like, or that track six, which is... Oh, track six is terrible. That, that ballad, and they hit, they hit home runs with ballads, but this one they even forgot to get to the car park. Like, it was just the worst. Um, but it wasn't, like, offensively bad because you still had songs like The Inspiring Conspiracy and, you know, you got Moonrise. some... The Moonrise is a great track as well. And um, without morals, I mean, that's, that riff is mm. just chunky as hell. No, that's right. But let's start going into albums now that I'm not really digging now. You know, Soil Work, they uh, started to lose their guitarist, the, the original guys that were there from the very, very beginning, right? Um, so for me, anything past when... See, Stabbing the Drama for me was one of my, my highlight albums because that was when the, both the guys were going after their melodic death rampage, but then they kind of simplified their sound to go a bit heavier and be more commercialized, but it worked like a tree. Uh, even stuff before it, like, you know, having the drama that itself wasn't too bad, but more importantly, the Predator's Portrait and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then anything after that for me, when they started to get on board, the new guitarist that kind of embellished the sounds from, oh, I guess, Pete Winter's last album with them, which was, I think, the Panic Broadcast. You could just get to tell, like, that sound, that old school death metal influence is gone. And now it's more progressive, more easier to maintain, but it lost a lot of dirt. But the worst in contender for that is Mercenary. Because Mercenary were the melodic death metal pioneers to a degree that they were going to carve themselves, I think, in the market where Soilwaken and Flame started to drop it, right? Um, they had the one of the best metal albums of all time, The Hours That Remain. And they also did, followed that up with Architects of Lies. Uh, and then the mass exodus. Lose their, uh, lose their drummer. They lose their singer. They lose their keyboardist, right? They come back. They're a metalcore band now. And so all of a sudden, the first album comes afterwards, which I was like, oh, I'm not too sure. And then throughout Darkest Days, got dropped after that. And that for me is like, wow. It actually depresses you because you knew how much potential this band had with a current lineup. So for me, uh, my my uh, yeah, my worst album for my favorite band, well, even that's my favorite band, but it's the worst album is probably that album because it's a well-written album, don't get me wrong, but um, to have such an emotional connection to a band, to a sound that they caved for themselves, and then just because they became happy that they lost all their members and wrote a pop album, comparable, devastated. Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of a bit of a tra- not transvention word to place it, but all these like big bands we all liked growing up in the 2000s all seem to be changing the sound these days. And yeah. consequently, people are calling these new albums from these bands their worst of, like Suicide Silence. Opus albums are changing so much that people would probably consider them their worst. Yeah. Devin Townsend's changing so much from when he first started that if you're a fan from the start, you'll probably consider his new things worse. It's just, again, are they bad because they're bad? They're bad because their styles change so much. It depends on the artist. Some are just bad because they just do the same thing over and over again and uninspired. Like what? the Threat, Threat Signal second album, that was pretty average. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's it. Especially when they changed their name. Their third album was called Threat Signal, Threat Signal. Like, this is the real Threat Signal. I'm like, no, you can't establish an incredible sound by your first album under reprisal and then come back and be like, yeah, that stuff was nothing. What about all this stuff in B-flat that sounds like, you know, bands that we definitely ripped off? I'm like, oh, dude. They ripped off Threat Signal. Like, literally, they tried to rip off their own stuff, but it wasn't the same guitarist, so you knew it was just guy paying homage to him. Oh, actually, can we do like overrated band album? Yeah. Oh, I'll do an overrated album, and that would have to be uh, <coughs> Sat- uh, Satanic from Behemoth. Compared to Demigod. Whoa! Demigod. Album of years of all That's years. The they're, they're saying that is the greatest album since like sliced bread, but like Demigod from uh, Behemoth was like 10 times better than that album, so I, I don't understand how. Yeah, I just think that's that's like you know, compared to Demigod, it's just not that great, and and that's that's the issue. So I'm calling it as an overrated album. Yeah. So there you go, guys. That's our take on the worst albums from my favorite bands. You know, definitely want to hear some more of that from you guys. You got anything else to say? But until then, we need to move on to our feature presentation of tonight, and that is 
our review section. For our review this week, we are talking about a band called Betraying the Martyrs. Their album that's come out this year is called The Resilience. Uh, a bit of backstory about the band. Betraying the Martyrs is a French deathcore band. I'll use that term kind of loosely because I guess that is the kind of umbrella they kind of go by. And they're from Paris, Danny. Oh, oui, oui, sizzling. French metal. Wow. Uh, I actually remember the R's being from France and they're more uh, similar in the metalcore sound. They they sounded quite good. All up. All and a good Gorgita, Gorgita. That's the only French band I knew. Um, they seem to be pretty talented in France because the bands that I've had in metal, even though they've been few and far between, they've been fairly strong. These guys here, they look, to give you an idea, they're mostly, they're almost a progression of different kind of core sounds like metalcore, deathcore, but they've got like arrangements around symphonic and orchestral stuff as well. And they even splash kind of that gent sound that's come mm. to, to fruition. And uh, whatever you think about gent, you know, there is actually some things in it that are engaging and uh, definitely like a rhythmical kind of thing, mm. you know, it's a certain sound that's carved out. And it's still new, I guess, for some people. Um, this, these guys are serious business, but uh, are they, is their newest album going to be stuff that's going to get us into the band? Or is it going to be a flash in the pan and, uh, you know, we'll see you next. Uh, yeah, see you next time. Stay tuned for all of this and more next week on Super Brothers. <laughs> Do we like the album? <laughs> Is Matt still wearing that bikini? Oh, Dan got him. <laughs> Is Dan stop crying yet? <laughs> all right, so we've got a five-tier system that we review albums with. Riffs, vocals, diversity, groove, and production. Riffs, Danny, when it comes to betraying, sorry, betraying the Martyrs album, The Resilient, what are the riffs like? Uh, the riffs are very chunky. They mm. definitely use that gent sound to really drive the songs really Cause you'd like groove along to it. Yeah. Um, there weren't. There's not many, I guess, like money riffs or memorable like riffs which kind of I guess like had like a crazy train, etc. But there yeah. is definitely, um, definitely like really heavy and well written riffs in there. I like the idea that um, if you if you wait long enough and generally you find towards the middle of the track, you'll start to hear some of those real guitar kind of stuff come out, like the more of the fleshed out riffage, you know, yeah. stuff. But the wrists have a design, and the most important thing that people forget is that uh, they can just be done for songwriting purposes. And what the riffs do is give a backdrop to other instruments for to stand out. And sometimes a guitar is given a chance to stand out, like you know, disconnected, for example, is a moment of brilliance just after it gives you a time for shred. But he's got like you know some of that real cool quick stuff as well. But generally, it does it sets up a groove and it sets up a a rhythmic enjoyment, you know, it's pretty engaging, you know, it moves around with the notes and stuff, but um, I find it real, it drives forward, like each riff drives the song forward to the destination it's trying to get, uh, it, that it's trying to do, you know, um, do you uh, do you find them good riffs, Danny? Do you find them okay riffs or do you find them they actually do a purpose? Oh, no, they definitely, um, I definitely enjoy most of the album, most of the riffs on the album. Uh, the yeah, again, you're right. They do drive it forward. They they marry well with the drums to really set the tone. Also, marry with the vocals to help create that feel or that drive what they're going for. Um, the solos are appropriate. Like uh, I, I was, I was impressed with this. I mean, his technique seems great. Like yeah. some of the solos fantastic, but he doesn't always have to show it off. Like I think one of the later tracks, his solo is just appropriate to the song. It has more about a feel and emotion rather than just going like hammer and tong. Yeah. The one thing you're going to get straight away, those listening to different tracks, is his uh, uh, style. It changes a lot, and um, it comes. We're going to talk more about diversity, but just know that he's the guy's ability to write songs or if he doesn't or, or he's playing whatever the riffs in, in general are very engaging because they're they're simple but they they can tell they've been taken from different uh, influences mm. but it's a good melting pot they they seem to complement each other different styles uh there are some certain songs that when they go a bit cleaner for me that um the happy tone and the general certain strumming of the chords and that don't work as strong like track the, the intro to track two for example uh, or you know the uh, that ballady kind yeah, of one, seven. yeah, track seven as well. But aside from that, I really did find that these guitars do a great job in songwriting. That you know when they're got to be fast, they're fast, groovy. They're they're strong and and, and good rhythms to, to to bounce down to. Even when it breaks down, you know it's um it's not a generic diminished strong chord. It's 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 got weight and it's got a, it's got a punch to it. You know, you got your catchy choruses, which are nice and strum as well, which got great resolution to them and, and come around really well. Yeah, really clever stuff, man. You know, it does its job really well. And I love the discipline that these guys show in their songwriting, which we can talk about later. Yeah, one thing they surprisingly don't always hit the nail on the head with is uh, their breakdowns. Sometimes yep. the breakdowns are just like that. You just killed all your energy or your buzz. So 
Unfortunately, uh, that's something they can improve on. It's a delicate improvement, a delicate balance, but I do find that generally they are crushing. There are times, like you said, so breakdowns are such a finical thing, mm. but um, th- we're going to get into that when we talk about diversity, which I want to talk about now because I want to leave the vocals a little bit later oh. on. And this is where, for me, the album is incredibly, incredibly strong because the diversity here is is overwhelming because each track has something new for you to enjoy. And I'm not just talking about guitar tones, which do it, or guitar rhythms, or guitar or the ideas, but orchestration, Danny. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest surprise and hearing this album is the induction or introduction or use of a synthesizer or like uh, strings to it. I mean, that yeah. was very, I was very surprised. But like, you get different ideas with it, don't you? You get like a choir sound, pianos, orchestral, strings, uh, whatever, you know, and it's all put together so well that the most engaging thing of this album is just looking forward to what else they're going to show you for the next track. You know, it's going to be heavy song for sure generally and but it's going to have a new element that's going to take you off, off by surprise a new instrumentation or style of doing it and oh i was loving it i was literally i could not wait to hear what else they do on each track let alone uh in each um section you know yeah they're no, definitely right they, they, they do change up the songs enough that i'm sure it's a similar sound like the gent sound or the deathcore sound so you, of course they have similar sounds but there's enough in each song too for you to tell them apart and for you to be inspired by, oh, what's coming up next? So I, I do agree that diversity was definitely a surprising strong point. Oh, I it, was definitely surprised. It is so much that uh, you, I think people should check it out to hear what we're talking about because the melodies that ring through uh, when obviously the guitar is quite low tuning and uh, whether it's playing like the faster stuff to the slower stuff, um, it doesn't really matter because there's always something going on in the background. Great mix, you know, and when it leads up to the chorus, you know, where it's a payoff, uh, or is it, you know, which we should get into now because I think, uh, yeah, look, diversity is just phenomenally strong, right? You can tell because, like you said before, the, the different genres you can hear in the music. So, yeah, I even heard a bit of like new metal and thrash at times uh, yeah. above what you also said. So, there is definitely um, a lot going on there. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely um, a good uh, good stuff. But they do go towards a certain part, and that is the choruses, and this is when we need to talk about the vocals. Now, there's a dichotomy in metal called the good cop, bad cop, and it rings true because you know the bad cop's the guy who's going to be bringing your scream and your growl. It's angry. It's, you know, he's interrogating you to find out where you've caught the body, and he's not going to be nice about it. The good cop comes in to reassure you that uh, you're going to be fine. You're going to be protected. When you do reveal the locations of your missing auntie, that it's going to be okay, right? That, you, you know, you're going to only do five years instead of your 25. But this is such a split or such an exaggeration of the good cop, bad cop that it's almost like a Disney movie, Danny. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think you weren't really a fan because you have, again, a guy has really heavy, really strong uh, screams for Scrow. Like Whitechapel, like literally you're getting crushed by a crane which is being dropped on you by a hammer which is holding another crane. Yeah. Exactly. Sakharov singing when you said that. <laughs> so yeah, you have this guy, and especially when they lay his vocals on some of the choruses, etc., and put a bit of like echoing effects on him, it sounds very big and very powerful. And then the dichotomy of that, you have a guy who kind of sounds like the, the periphery lead singer of this last album, which is very like, I mean, he hits the notes in the range, but it's a very like weak power behind it. So you really have a guy who's got power to spare and a guy who kind of sounds like he's, he's struggling to like keep up. Yeah, so mate, just think about it this way. Like, there's two producers, right? One's holding the vocal sections from, you know, Chelsea's Grin or like, I don't know, your favorite death metal band that has a logo that even by looking at logs is too hard to read. You know, you just can't understand it, right? The another producer, right, is holding Justin Bieber's off takes for, you know, the album that's going to get teenage girls wet from 13 to 14 years age. The problem is that what happens is these two producers ran into each other and like a romantic comedy, they run into each other, they drop it and then they pick up by accident the other person's uh, recordings. And what they've done is put them straight into recording. I'd love to hear the recording of the guy who had Justin Bieber's, by the way. <laughs> and he's got like fucking a Satan raining down on fucking three chords. But uh, yeah, this album really sounds like uh, it's so polarizing and to the point that when I hear these choruses... The music and the songwriting is so strong that I enjoy what he does, but taken on its own, it's not my thing at all. In yeah. fact, it's like kind of cringy. Yeah, as fair. So I'm like sometimes you're right that they they make the vocals the strong the standout of the choruses because they they strip back the choruses, have the orchestra like big 
sometimes choir sound, the big like synth sound to give you string sound to give you that standard vocal yeah. sound out. But a lot of times the chorus is a bit faster tempo and keeps with the heaviness of the verses so that there is that like um like give and take with here and the melodic goal coming, the other scream would come in back and forth, back and forth, at least to try to keep the impact going and that kind of works a little bit better because you, you're not just emphasizing on that soft singing you're actually bouncing between the two at least that makes it dynamic and yeah. the music behind it is always fast paced always going and oh, okay keeps you engaged so sometimes when they do it in the chorus like that okay I, I, I like it a bit better but you're right sometimes it takes too much energy and too much groove away from the songs when they cut back to that his no selection as a singer is fine, and I think what and what he goes for in the feel is, uh, you know, that that's generally fine and okay. But the tone is just, oh, I hear it, and I'm like, this is, this could have so much more power and and give it such a stronger resolution when it comes out of the chorus or into it. Uh, even if you had a female singer, you know, when if they want to add that that touch of sensibility. Like what uh, bands like uh, Lacuna Call do to a degree, but more importantly, like we're going to do with Oracles, you know, where there's that incredibly strong neoclassical singer. Um, yeah, goth metal do it all the time, you know. Um, it, it works, but this guy is, it lacks emotional depth. It's it's nice, but you know, all you need to do is hear the first track, for example, to really get a hint of how strong the growls are and how much girth and balls it has. And when I hear that singing, I'm just like, uh, this is what's happening. Yeah. I think we should move on to Groove. Maybe. Yeah. And this is where, again, the, the album comes back as a strong point. You know, this is the thing. It's simple. It's effective. It's enjoyable. It's heavy. Um, I never really got t- too much in like it's really badass of, of the uh, tracks. I was never like, fuck, this is really angry. Like, this is like insane. But it doesn't need to be. Because it, what it is, is because every time, because they, they layer it with so many like orchestral stuff and that, the grooves just take a backseat. The drummer... Incredibly proficient though, isn't he though, Danny? Oh yeah, the drumming's definitely great. The, the, the tone, I guess, of the drumming sound, I guess, more in production, but that that's definitely a strong point as well. I guess it, it's classic. You would definitely get the groove being the gent sound where they do the big bends or they do like um, pauses in the beats to help give you that like... Impact. Yeah, very deathcore as well. You know, that's a deathcore kind of trope. Um, but they're generally pretty crushing, you know. Um, the, when it goes slow, when it goes fast, the, they can hold their own. I find that... Um, the drummer does quite well job and the guitarist really complements that. So sort of, they work so well together, man. Um, the grooves just work really well to give those chance of vocals, whether it be from the singer or from the instrumentation. Um, and then they get their own chance to stand out when it comes to like certain sections, like, you know, a good intro or generally you find uh, through the middle of the song when it breaks it up from a chorus. Yeah. No, I, I, the grooves definitely a big part of this album. Um, again, apart from the breakdowns being a bit hit and miss, the, uh, Songs keep you engaged oh. and they keep you going. They try to be a bit, uh, you know, I guess having that melodic singing and it kind of helps you give a bit of a motive, a bit of feel at times. Sometimes it works. A lot of times Matthew doesn't really enjoy it and, and Track 7 doesn't work at all. But I guess we, yeah. talk, <laughs> we, we talk about that production, I guess. But yeah, no, look, it, Groove is definitely there. It's definitely parts you want to turn your sound system up to 11 and definitely I crank along. For Gent though is definitely a pullback version of it and that's where I'm like you know where Periphery and bands like that don't do it for me anymore because they play all these amount of notes and yeah. technique and stuff like that but how about you just play the notes that really matter Yeah, and, and then you get a stronger song from it and and hold yeah no, that's why don't be so diverse for your music at least keep some riffs going so you can actually be engaged with them and enjoy yeah. them yeah and oh, yeah. yeah it's kind of like you could pull back a sound and stuff and this is what they do so well they keep it heavy but they just give exactly what each song each riff needs each section needs and well thought out very uh, provoking metal you know um, and this is coming from a guy who doesn't really like this genre at all but I was enjoying the whole entire time because these grooves help the diversity of the album so well they're different grooves you want your punk rock grooves they're there you want your metalcore uh, you know your mid to fast tempo great you got your blast beats they're there it's all there and it's done most of the time very well you know apart from one or two with things with the cleaner songs funny enough um which didn't quite work out look at keith merrow when it comes to those death core songs that are done slower and they're a bit more engaging they have a little bit more fleshed out um but apart from that you know the other eight tracks or nine tracks are just phenomenal you know what a great amount of work let's go to production don't indeed let's it's clean, it's crisp, it's organic. Uh, it's pretty much got that feel from what Gent and albums do. You just got that splitter on the guitar, so when they hit that note, it just drops right off, you know, where it's not like goes on and rings on and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, 
it's all there designed to have all those layers come through. And you can hear everything. Hey, Danny. Yeah, definitely. It's a well-produced album. Again, the use of the synth gives it a bit of dynamic in the strings. At times they use industrial sounds, effects. They have the choir in there as well. All give you that emotion, all, all to break up the songs and give you a bit of a feel to the album, which they, it's done quite well. So I really enjoy what they've done. Again, the drumming sounds great. The uh, and guitar work sounds fantastic. They really pick up those things quite well. Yeah. Especially that drumming sound, I and mean, they really kick into it, and the Tom's going double kicks. The, gr- the guy who screams on the album is fantastic, man. That's what you want from a death metal vocalist. Someone who comes at you with amount of aggression, and he brings something up from his gut. And you know, he obviously feels passionate about what he does, and I get that. I love hearing that, that kind of style of, of screaming, you know? Um, it's, it's authentic. It's real. It's not produced. It's like someone who's just going at it, and he's given it his all, and that's wicked. For, for riffs like this, works perfect. You know, the drumming is complementing all that as well, and then you have got the arrangements of to add that dichotomy of beauty, mm. and um, and and it's very and a sadness as well when it needs to do. Yeah, definitely right. Yeah, I mean, some things you could pick on. It's definitely, I reckon track two should have been the last track. Yeah, because it's, it's more like that long drawn out motive song with the power with it as well. So I think that should be the last track, and track seven should not be on the album because it literally they just. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to like, all right, let's put the slow melodic like quote power ballad in to help yeah. break up the heaviness. But it just it just wasn't that good of a song. Yeah, look, all in all, you know, I got tracks like Lost for Words apart from that chorus, which <laughs> is really interesting. But it was a song that sold me on the band because I wasn't. I knew it was a lot to talk about with the um with our on our podcast. You know, um, you know, you got some stuff on it as well, like the uh, drive and the song Resilient. They're resilient. It's like a six eight kind of thing. It's got that triplety feeling it um the great dissolution you know an awesome groove with great arrangements you really get to hear what i'm talking about with those strings and those orchestral stuff you know uh and, but the most important thing is is that it plays the right notes at the right time and that's where it comes from a lot of practice these guys have done a lot of songs before this and a lot of work together to get to a place like this and they should be really commended from how amazing and how engaging an album with such amount of diversity in it for such a heavy sound, you know. Uh, Deathcore is definitely a very niche market and this is the best way of bringing a very specific sound to a bigger bigger crowd. In fact, I don't know, do you think, Daniel, that the vocals and the singing is going to help the band get to a bigger crowd or hinder it because the hardcore elitist fans are going to hear and be like me and just be like, oh my God, like, for real? Or you reckon uh, it will help? Uh, it's, yeah, who knows if you, if if I knew I'll be a massive you'd, like, be, a, you'd be owning nuclear blast well, right? yeah. and you have guys from Suicide Silence fans telling you not to do their band yeah exactly right so like, it, it, it is tricky you're right some pure purists always hard to please but at the same time purists don't increase your fan base so having this second singer could also help with people who like to hear that type of hardcore I guess sing. I don't know how you. It'll help resonate with the younger crowd, but this yeah. this style of music is just phenomenal. Um, it's the the way that this guy goes about writing. These guys so go about writing songs is. Uh, this is gonna make my top five this year, guys. I honestly believe because I honestly would have made my top five last year. I absolutely adore Ooh. this style of writing. Um, even though this isn't my genre. I gotta I gotta I gotta tip my hat to these guys. I mean, I don't really wear a hat, and especially indoors, I look kind of stupid. But um, you know, I'm gonna grab a hat. And I'm gonna tip it. Oh, look at him he's doing it right now. That's amazing, man. Wow, really, really doing. Wow, look at that tipping action. There you go. I tip my oh. hat on the um on the on the microphone for you. So, uh, congratulations, guys, from you know uh, betraying the martyrs because this album is an absolute ripper. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it as well. Uh, I guess that puts us to the end of our podcast. Yes, uh, I'm really fun. actually excited that we actually found a diamond. That might be in the rough this year. We haven't, we don't quite know yet. We haven't. If it's anything like last year, we did find some things that uh, didn't quite like. But uh, even when we didn't, our fans liked us for reviewing it. Volbeat, for example, one of our most popular episodes, and uh, it was the album that I didn't pretty well want to ever again. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's what I'm saying. I just can't pick the peoples, man. Can't pick the peoples. Yeah, I know. But that's the thing because it doesn't affect. At the end of the day, bands like that do really well anyway because we want to make sure that people who want that kind of music get to that kind of music, and that's more important for us. And we really enjoy doing that show. And we really enjoy you guys tuning in today. You know, you guys could hopefully enjoy the the, uh, the ride that we had today. Um, we've got some big albums coming up soon. You know, Creator's got an album out that we might review. But Moore's got one out coming out next week. Whether it comes out too late, though, to review it, 
I guess we have to find out then, Danny. Oh, I think you probably won't an extra couple of weeks to even listen to that, mate. Yeah. Probably. Otherwise, we're just going to hear like, oh, it's the best ever and best and the best. That's it, done. Well, you know, uh, because they're a melodic band that does the synth stuff like Bear Train the Martyrs, but do it in a melodic death metal thing, they've got to live up to it now because now I've heard uh, this album for a while and, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where bands take us. But if you guys want us to review an album, please let us know. Uh, I think Braden CFC wants us to do the Suicide Science album when it comes out. And by George, we talked about the last three weeks, we have to do it, Danny. Oh, yeah, definitely. Man. This has caused so much controversy and so much um, talking points. So we, why not? If it's got already talking points there, it's our job done. Yeah. Until next week, guys, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've been dun, 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 Holy Diver! How good is that? The, the Hyundai Tucson conversion break has Holy Diver as a soundtrack. I've been out too low in the midnight. Oh, it's amazing! So I had to do that. I just had to do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you next week. Bye.